Today on the show, we learn what has to be at the core of every true entrepreneur and how to survive a lion attack. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Jason Croft Show, driving business in Dallas and Fort Worth. Today on the show, we have Charles Horton. Phenomenal guy, awesome stories. I was going to say story of his life, but stories because there are so many, so many ventures, so many crazy adventures as well. Um, it's just This is an, an amazing interview. And I can't wait for you to check it out. Make sure you stay to the end and find out... Um, all I'll say is is lion attack. That's all I'm gonna say, right in there. Just just uh, you want to you want to stick around for that story. But but in all in all seriousness, too, Charles has some amazing insights. He started very early on um, as an entrepreneur and and a successful entrepreneur uh, very early on. And we really dig into to where that came from, but also what he had and didn't have in order to make that. Um, a successful venture and then carry that on to venture after venture, company after company. So let's jump in. It's Charles Horton. Mr. Charles Horton, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. Good to see you. Good to see you. We are ready to roll. Let's roll. So I really wanted to get Charles here on the show because you are, I mean, kind of the epitome of that entrepreneurial mindedness of the entrepreneurial spirit and it continues on down the line and it, and it was there at a very early <laughs> early stage and I, I want that's why I want to for you especially I really want to dig into those mm-hmm. beginning days um, and then up into what you've got going now and, sure. and all that which is a lot always always <laughs> but but how did this entrepreneurial path kind of unfold in, in the beginning so I'll, I'll tell you, the, uh, I, I grew up in a relatively uh, abusive home with my, uh, with my stepfather, put my mom in the hospital a couple of times, put me in the hospital a couple of times, and it, it just wasn't in an environment that I wanted to be in. And the one way I was allowed out was to be out making money. So I got wow. out at an early, early age making money. I, I, at about 13, 14, 15 years old, I'm running a uh, lawn mowing, sod laying business. And at one point I had over a, over a 150 employees. Goodness. Uh, <laughs> I always thought in uh, with business, I wanted to be a manager and a leader and not a not a manual worker. Yeah. And and uh, I was in great shape at that age, but I really didn't want to be mowing lawns all the time. And right. and uh, you know you would think with 150 employees you wouldn't have to mow many lawns, but I was mowing <laughs> lawns every single day because people were canceling or oh. mad or you know so so it was a lot of work. And and even though it's good money as a kid, especially with 150 employees, it was oh, sure. great money as a kid. Uh, I wanted to go into to to different. Venues. So I'm walking around in uh, in a flea market in Austin, Texas. And back then, you know, you write a lot of checks. Mm-hmm. You, d- you don't hardly do that anymore, but you wrote a lot of checks. And so this uh, flea market had 400 vendors and no one would take checks. So I'm looking for an ATM machine. They didn't have an ATM machine and no one would take my checks. So Interesting. that's kind of my... Uh, my belief in looking for businesses is you got to see a need and you got to fill that need. And it generally isn't one that is 
easy or pretty or any of that. Those tend to not make a lot of money. So here I am, you know, 15 years old in a flea market in, in, in Austin, Texas. I'm cashing hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of uh, checks a weekend. And I'm a oh kid. We live in a mobile well, home. I don't have any money. And, and let's not skip that over. I mean, what went from that thought to I could do something about this and, and become that. So it was just basically me walking around in that flea market and seeing that there was a need and a business that I could get into instantly. And, and but at that know, age, that's what I did too. Like what, what is there? It's so interesting to me because what is there to go? I see the need. Hey, why not? Why yeah. not me? Like here's all these adults <laughs> around me and around right. the, all the world. Why not? Why not me do it? I, I think that a lot of people do not move forward because of their own limiting beliefs. And I don't know why I didn't have that, but I never <laughs> would sit there and think, well, I can't do that because I'm a kid. I can't do that because I don't have the money. Uh, there's too much risk in cashing checks. I, I seem to have a lack of fear, which most people would do in the case of cashing hundreds of thousands of dollars of individual right. people's checks. And I didn't have the limiting belief that I couldn't do it. So I went wow. to the, uh, I went to the flea market owner. He gave me free rent. He knew yep. it was a good deal. They built me up a plywood booth that we cemented in a little safe. And, you know, this is a, a asphalt pavement area where people normally set up tables for their flea market gotcha. wear. Okay. And uh, we built me a little plywood booth <laughs> to have a little bit of security <laughs> and put, put a safe in there and all. And, and then the next issue is I needed money. Right. Uh, one of my, uh, one of my dear, dear friends put up the initial 10,000, but we needed hundreds of thousands of dollars and right. I didn't have that. And, and walk me through and, and again, <laughs> pardon my it, it, ignorance in the, in the whole mindset too. But, but I also, for the folks listening to, you know, we don't, we don't know checks. We don't know this. <laughs> so who are you? So you're, you're talking about check cashing. Yep. Would that be for the vendors or is it so they can take checks and then they come to you or is it? So it started out where the, the people would come to my check cashing booth cash their checks and go out back to the flea market gotcha. vendors. Now, as time progressed, I wanted to make it easier and wanted the people that were taking the checks to have less people not come back. You know, with 400 vendors, you might find somebody else along the way. So yeah. I just made deals with all of them where they took the checks, they included my fee in the check, and then at the end of the day or the end of the weekend, I'd set up a big table in the back behind my booth, and we would be sitting there with calculators. They, they would have come with the tape of the checks already. Mm -hmm. We would verify the amount, and then I would write another check to replace all of their checks, meaning I take all the risk. Right. <laughs> wow. And how, so how did this, how long did that go on? A couple of years, I would say. Uh, the uh, the other part of the story, how I came up with the cash, I didn't have oh, enough yeah. cash for I'm the hundreds of thousands, <laughs> for the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I went back to the flea market. And again, remember, I can't even drive. So <laughs> so I, I I pay a driver to take me places. If Uber would have been been around then, oh, yeah. but I paid for a driver that drives me everywhere. Oh my gosh! And uh, so I'm I'm going up to the flea market, and uh, you know, looking back at it, I just don't know if I would have you know, a 15 year old coming up and telling me this, I can't imagine I would have taken them seriously. But I said, you know, you do, they did all of the, uh, the, uh, 
the concessions in the flea market. So they're selling mm-hmm. the Cokes and the popcorn and the hot dogs and the nachos and all. And they were taking in hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash. And they had uh, armored cars that would come through and take the cash and take it away. So win-win-win situation. Their merchants get more volume. Mm-hmm. They don't have to hire an armored car. And I got all of their cash like on an hourly basis. And I would just write them a check for it. That's phenomenal. That was... To figure that out, to ha- I mean, the, the moving parts there, to figure that out, <laughs> to just do it, why not? Let's do this. Yep. For them to trust in that, and right? Hey, let's give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> That's phenomenal. So that went on for a couple of years. That went on Obviously, for a couple of years. Successful. I, if it's going I, I sold well. the business for way too a little, but it was seasonal. Flea markets mm-hmm. are summer businesses. There's not much during the winter that people sure. are uh, doing. So I sold, I sold the business, and but it turned into that if the checks bounced, mm-hmm. I made more money. How's that? So the average check was say one or $200. I charged 10%, so I'd get between 10 and $20 for cashing the check. But if the check bounced, then I get to charge an extra $25. So I learned that go. if the checks bounce, then I make more money. <laughs> and that turned into what I did for my 20s. I, I started a check recovery company, turned into a verification company, then turned into a check guarantee company. And uh, that was my uh, that, that was my twenties. I took it till wow. I was thirty. Had a goal of being a millionaire by the time I was thirty. And uh, I had a business that was doing twenty million dollars a year in revenue. Had one hundred and fifty employees, but I didn't feel like a millionaire. Mm. The uh, most I'd ever made was sixty thousand. I uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I, I didn't make a lot of money doing it because I was so competitive in pricing. I would take clients on as a loss to hurt uh, my competitors and take oh, wow. business away from them. It ended up a win because I sold for big money. I mean, oh, that, based nice. on how much I made and how much I sold for, a real big difference. So they bought me based on my revenue because I kept taking clients away from them. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant strategy. I love that. So what what goes? I don't want to. I don't also don't want to gloss over that too. Like what what goes into to that process? What 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 are you doing as check verification, as um, collections? So even though I made a lot of money as a kid, I didn't know how to manage it very well, and I would spend whatever I made. So when I started this next business, I didn't have money for employees. So I'm starting a check verification guarantee business. I worked for one year between when I was like 18 for a bicycle specialty retailer, and they had a box of bad checks, millions of dollars in bad checks. So they, I guess they were making good money and they didn't care, but if they got a bad check, they just kind of threw it in the box and didn't do anything with it. Wow. So I'm good at looking for opportunities and I saw this big check of hot, I mean, big box of hot checks and I started working the checks and, um, and I went home and entered with their permission, of course, entered the checks in a computer and at night I would send letters and make phone calls. Then eventually I hired a uh, salesman, hired meaning he was just out of the military, didn't need a paycheck, just wanted something to do. <laughs> so he went on commission. He would go out all day, sign up people to, for our business. He would come back, I would take uh, the contracts, enter them into my system, enter all the bad checks into my system, and again, make phone calls and collect it. It, it got to the point where I was making twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month collecting wow. checks and making $8 an hour during my day job, but I didn't want to <laughs> leave it because right. I was afraid I would lose it's the It's your clients. source of, oh yeah. <laughs> so in that part, so they're out collecting directly? Is that what's... I was on? collecting the checks. Yeah, okay. So I would send letters and then uh, then I also had a deal locally where I could file 
for their arrest because it is theft by check. Mm -hmm. And I just generated the arrest form and stapled the check to it, signed it, gave it to the, the justice of the peace. Oh, wow. And they would go out and do my collections for, uh, you. for me, essentially. Oh, and uh, in, in time, I quit my quit my job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> kept kept the client until they went out of business. And then uh, and then I would lose clients because I didn't have a verification system. Uh, so I got a verification system and it, it, it was pretty cool. We had this whole room full of modems. At one point I had about 50 modems on the wall. These transactions would last about four seconds and uh, you could see on the screen the transactions coming through and, and at our height we were doing over a thousand transactions a minute so the screen's wow. just rolling. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Then I would lose clients because uh, because I wasn't doing check guarantee. And so I started doing the check guarantee. This is also a really good entrepreneurial story. I would go to trade shows and they would all, all the people at the trade show would say, unless you have millions and millions and millions of dollars behind you, you can't do check guarantee. And my response was always, God, thank God I didn't know that because if I would have known that you couldn't do check guarantee without millions of dollars behind you, I would have never done it. <laughs> but what I did is my competitors would buy the checks at seven days. So their contract would say, we get the bad check in and after we've had it for seven days, we'll buy it from you. Okay. And I didn't have the money to buy it at seven days, so I changed that seven to a 45. The, at, the average check is collected in 30 days, back then it was. Mm -hmm. And so I changed it to 45 days, so that gave me enough time to collect all the checks that I was going to collect, and then my fees gave me plenty of money to pay for the checks at that point. So one little change in my contract allowed me to do what everyone else in my industry said couldn't be done without wow. millions of dollars behind you. So my, uh, my big belief is that you, uh, as an entrepreneur, you can't let other people tell you what you can't do in life. You gotta go figure out what you can do yep. yourself because so many other people, just because other people believe that you can't do something doesn't mean that's true and doesn't, believe, doesn't mean that you can't do it. You know, make your own path in life. Oh yeah, and that seems to be a common theme for you yep. <laughs> on through the years. So, so you sell that business off, what, what's, next at that point are you done are you i mean in your mind at any point are you just like all right <laughs> so i'm 30 years old my life had revolved around that uh, that company mm -hmm. i had 150 employees and went to zero i went to having every moment of my day filled i was a micromanager i had uh, all these people were basically in one location and I was always there from eight o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. And then suddenly I get a big check of millions of dollars and I don't have anything anymore. I don't have any purpose. I don't have any passion. I don't have any employees, which were really my family. And I'm sitting there, uh, you know, alone. And I started day trading. I got really depressed. I started taking uh, pills and and then found myself at a uh, at a Tony Robbins seminar called Life and Enterprise Management. Mm -hmm. And at that uh, seminar, a big big point of the seminar is that we have to have a purpose and a uh, and, and a mission in our lives to be happy. So, oh yeah. And I'm an entrepreneur, and and my real passion is to see other people make their goals. So, 
I do a lot of coaching with my employees. I have employees that when they came to me were making eight bucks an hour, and then now they're making $150,000 a year, plus driving the car of their dreams at my expense, plus going on trips around the world. So that's really my passion is to, to develop other people and see them hit their goals. And uh, I knew I had to, I would be an entrepreneur. And so now instead of just focusing on one business, I do have one big business. Uh, and that pays the majority of the bills. But the other thing that I have is I have other businesses going on that, that uh, keep me busy, keep my passion going. And, uh, and that, that makes me happy. I, I will never retire. I will tell you that. <laughs> I believe it. I just knowing how much you have going on and, but it, it really is, it's such a different mindset, especially when you've seen that perspective, you've uh -huh. seen the other side because you have one thing in your head, like this is everything, this is everything. And then all of a sudden you look up, Oh, I, ha I have that. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? There is, right. there, there's a gap there. There's a, there's something so true and powerful to people like Tony who talk uh -huh. about that, who you've got to have a drive and a passion. It doesn't matter yep. what you have. And, and, what a lesson to learn. Thank goodness you learn it early. Right. <laughs> right. And then, oh, wow. And then you take that lesson in and then act on it. Right. So I now have at least five things going at all times. I'm <laughs> looking at new ones. My mind probably comes up with 10 businesses a, uh, a day. And I try to keep that down to about three or four a year that <laughs> I right. act upon. Right. Because there is a, there's a sweet spot, yep. right? Like that your attention, because you have great people around you, great team around you. But even with that, there's, yeah. a, you know, you don't want to spread them too thin. Exactly. And, and I, and I've done that and I'm good at doing that this year alone. Uh, within the last year, I've started two different businesses, had hundreds of thousands of dollars in each of them and uh, it didn't work. Closed them, closed them oh, both wow. down. And that is, it is part of the entrepreneurship. If it was all <laughs> easy, everybody would be doing it. But the, you know, the fact is a good number of entrepreneurial ventures never, uh, never make it. Oh yeah, for sure. And then, so what is your process with that? Like, when do you, when do you cut things? When do you say, what's, what are those indicators to say, okay, this isn't working. I'm throwing good money after bad, you know? And that, that is a really good subject. And I believe one of my things in my book, uh, Ignite the Secret, is that uh, businesses don't fail, people give up. Mm -hmm. So a true entrepreneur that has nothing else to do will probably, doesn't have other businesses, will probably continue to fight and will make that business work. So one, one of my ideas I do, you know, I, I do uh, small loans in 50 stores across the, the country and I have over 100,000 customers. And so we thought, in addition to making cash loans, that we would uh, finance merchandise. And so we created a catalog, we opened a retail location, and uh, sending out a catalog to 100,000 people is a lot of money. And wow, we sent three of them. Plus, we started this physical location. And in six months worth of time, we, uh, we had done about $60,000 in revenue. And we thought we would do, even in the first month, $100,000 oh, minimum. Man. So it was, uh, it, when you have multiple things going, you just got to look at uh, what's bringing you the return on the buck. And in this case, I was still burning $50,000 a month on this business. And my main business you know, generates many times that. So it just came back to I got too many resources focusing on that. Sure. It doesn't appear to be working. We got out. And, gotcha. You know, I look back at it, though, and I think... God, what kind of people do I have around me that allowed me to start a retail furniture store <laughs> in this environment? All that stuff's closing down. <laughs> 
more of a more of a joke to my team. I do have. A, I, I I really encourage everybody that reports to me to speak their mind. You know, I'm yeah. hiring people for their minds, and a lot of a lot of people look up to their boss and they just tell them what they want to hear, and that's horrible. You know, I do not want that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's such a great it's such a great thing because I always I always wonder that, and I don't know that you can ever there can ever be a line in the sand though on on any of it on when you know the, the whole definition of insanity is doing the same thing over right. and over but right. then also keep hitting that rock until it breaks you yep. know there's and there's such a there's just a point right? <laughs> for each person i'm full of stories in my first company where we came to a to a a fork in the road where we could have gone out of business if we didn't make the right decisions and uh, you know the furniture store we just we we did give up on, and I'm sure there was a way to make it uh, make it work, but we hadn't found it. Yeah, <laughs> and I wasn't willing to continue to burn fifty grand a month oh, to find it to do so. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what's what's the focus today? Or give me three of them. <laughs> well, my, uh, my 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 primary company is still a big focus in my business. But one thing as an entrepreneur I've learned is uh, and this this was something that a gentleman by the J name Jay Rogers taught me. And he said, as an entrepreneur, your job is to work yourself out of the job as fast as possible. And so I've taken that I've taken that to heart. A lot of entrepreneurs have a big ego that they think that uh, they're the only ones that can do it and they have to make all the decisions. And when you think that way, you're limited to what you can do. But if you create a team, you know, I have a senior management team of about 12 people, and then all of my store managers are owners, so that's an additional 50 people. So I have 62 people who have vested interest in my business. I trust them to do their jobs. I trust them to make their own decisions, and therefore the company runs without me. You know, I've, I've really delegated everything. I keep the big vision to myself. I keep legal issues to myself. I keep lobbying to myself. But uh, for the day-to-day -day management of the company, they do it, and they do it well, and I make far more than I ever made in my last company. So I have a company of owners. Fantastic. And that's that's so key because that's, I mean, that's you have to have that. And in yep. order to have a sellable business and scalable, yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah, that's 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 fantastic. So right now, what I do is uh, where I'm spending a lot of my time is I've been for the last seven years. The way we met, I've been doing something called the boardroom. So I have a passion for helping entrepreneurs figure out what they want to do in life. And so the boardroom, uh, we call it a think tank. Each month, somebody comes in and presents a business idea. On the panel, we have uh, both angel investors and just smart business people. We have a regular business professor from UNT who sits on the panel, and we we primarily give advice. People make their pitch and we give advice on their business and we do it in such a manner that's educational to the uh, audience that comes in. So the audience is full of entrepreneurs. They, uh, they, they want to do business. Either they're doing it or they're in a startup. And so we want to be educational primarily. Uh, when we find a good deal, we'll invest in it. But uh, our primary mission is to, uh, to, to educate entrepreneurs. So in addition to that now, we're expanding right now where we're going to start doing meetup groups all over uh, town, and that'll be business education. And then we're going to do classes. So uh, we'll do regular classes where if you need to learn how to read financial statements, you, you get that. If you need to learn how to do social media, we'll have a class on that. And we'll have 
many classes that entrepreneurs can come in, network primarily, and then learn uh, learn together. And that's that's my biggest passion these days is wow. just helping other people succeed. Yeah, that's fantastic because you can touch so many lives that way. Yep. So many entrepreneurs who right. then touch so many lives. Exactly. And I think that's I think that's fantastic. So what's that that the structure? What's the makeup of 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 these classes? Like, how is this? coming together. So we're just putting this all together right now. Our website is the boardroom edge. Uh, the, the website for the boardroom is boardroomlessons.com. Uh, but the boardroom edge will basically be an ancillary uh, business that, that puts these classes together and it's all brand new. So I'm looking for entrepreneurs to tell me what they need to know. And then we're going to find experts that have come in and put a class together on a regular basis. But then some people don't have time to come into to classes and they want to watch it on uh, watch, watch it as a webinar. So we'll have it available on the yeah. web too. We plan on having larger quarterly uh, groups where people come together and hear higher level uh, motivational and business education speakers. But the whole point is to empower people to learn about entrepreneurship, ha have them make connections, talk to people who have done it, uh, get them mentors, give them the education to know how to do these things and see people thrive. I absolutely love it when people that have been to the boardroom before come in and say how good they're doing and, and how much we helped. That's that's what I love to hear. Oh, that's fantastic. And when they can get that from a room full of people, an organization of people who have actually done it, you yes. can take the myths away, right. you can take, you know, and can give the... Uh, this is what you're headed for. Yep. You know, at the very beginning, I think it's so valuable. So two things that I learned early on. First of all, it's lonely at the top. Your typical friends do not understand your problems. <laughs> if, if you're a boss with employees, your friends, unless they have done it, including your spouse probably, do not understand your problems. Right. They all think you're wealthy and you have no uh, stress whatsoever. So I got myself involved in a CEO club early on where I had... Uh, people that were like me that discussed our problems and so we, we do that at the boardroom as well but the, the second thing I learned and that is let that ego down and get mentors that are where you want to be and listen to what they do so yeah. I from the time I was I was uh, 22 years old I had a board of directors full of people with expertise in the areas that I needed so I we were a a collection company, you know, we were doing check verification guarantee and I needed a lawyer. I needed a lawyer that understood that business. And I was able to attract back at the time uh, a gentleman that was the uh, that was the general counsel. He had just left to start his own business, but he was the general counsel of Chilton, who was the credit bureau back then. Oh, wow. So he knew my business inside and out, and I didn't have to pay him. He was starting his own practice. I went wow. to him and I said, hey, I don't have any money, but I'll give you some stock. Would you uh, be my general counsel for stock? And he was my general counsel. He officed in the same building I did did the same thing with an accountant, you know, knowing where you are is really important in business. You need to understand financials and you need to have accurate, timely financials. And so I didn't have the money for it at first. So I paid this guy that officed in the same building. He had his own CPA firm. I paid him stock and he did my books and he did them Beautiful. quickly and well. And they all did fantastic. When I sold the business, they, they did very, 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 uh, <laughs> very well. 
That's wonderful. So and, and uh, that, that's another just key lesson too. Yep. Besides, you know, recognizing that you need that. Right. Once again, take that entrepreneurial mind, get creative. Yep. And figure out a way. It uh, it people say, well, I could never attract somebody. Uh, that's a multimillionaire to be on my board of directors. I've had several for years and I just make it fun for them. I give them uh, that one of them likes good wine. So, uh, you know, they come over and I'll, I'll open up a really nice bottle of wine for them. I treat them out to dinners. I take them to, um, to some of my charity events on me and they make money when we sell the company. Yeah. But they, uh, but they're really just doing it for the passion of it. So, and a lot of times too, it's, to hang out with each other. Yeah. That's the other beautiful part. They want Absolutely. to know more people like them. Yep. Retired. You, you look at a retired multimillionaire who's sitting at home and remember my story about not having passion. Just right. being on multiple boards keeps them busy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. I have several guys that travel with me that uh, come to my board of directors meetings. They're smart. They give a lot and they do it because they feel valued and it's fun. It's wonderful. And yeah, those first steps are, are, are to, to finding and attracting those people is to go, number one, be purposeful with it, yep. but be purposeful with building your network in general, in right. every direction, right? <laughs> right? And then being somebody who has something worthwhile that, I mean, if you don't feel like your business is worthy of that, then it's never going to be, right? right? You have to own it and feel yes. it and build it into something that you can approach somebody like, right. okay, here's somebody serious. Yeah, they're they're way down here in terms of income coming in the doors, right. but wow, there's something to this. And yes. when you can bring that opportunity to interest, yeah, it lights people up that, right. and that they can help. Oh, So before the boardroom meetings, we open up for uh, an hour of networking before and then sometimes a couple of hours of networking afterwards and at the boardroom in the audiences. I've had several billionaires. I've had certainly lots of multimillionaires. Mm -hmm. I have uh, people that are just starting businesses. We have people that meet each other and then do business together. So it's a great way to network. It's a great way to meet people. Uh, Will uh, Bunker, who I suggest you, uh, I suggest you do an interview on. He was yes. the co-founder of uh, of uh, Match.com. Sold out, made a lot of money, and. Uh, Several people in the audience reached out to uh, him in addition. He's been generous with his time. He's looked at their plans. He's given advice. And that's the type of people you meet when you come to networking events like that is people oh, that yeah. are passionate about business. Yes, they want to look for investments and make some money, but they're happy to talk to you and give you advice oh, and yeah. develop that relationship along. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing too is like for so much of us, it's if you're that entrepreneur, I mean, that's what you listen to. You watch stuff like this. You, right. you take it in because it's so much fun. You meet more exactly. people who are doing it because it's even it, it, when it gets down to it, you can't explain it <laughs> down to the micro like why. And if you keep asking why and why, I don't know. But there's something to this yeah. that's just it's everything down at its core. It's, it's so much fun. And and yeah, the boardroom is, is such a great event. And handled so well so professionally and it really is you talk about the people in the room it's such a it's just really a perfect mix it's a great mix of all those different levels of people but everyone really serious and interested enough that they're they're making they're making that effort to, to be out there right. much more than the 
just running around to whatever meetup they can find and yeah. throwing their business cards at people. Um, it's such a different environment than that. I've had so many people tell me it's the best networking event that they've uh, been to and that sure uh, sure makes me happy as oh, yeah. that just means that they're getting value out of it. And I'm probably not in the best location in the world being up in, uh, being up in Flower Mound, but it's a beautiful but, place. But honestly, it is a beautiful place, but also being out here mm -hmm. is... That's that step of you, you gotta you gotta mean it, right? I mean, it costs something to go already, yep. which is great. But then you gotta get there. <laughs> like you, you gotta mean it if you're right. gonna show up <laughs> this out is there. True, this is true. And I, I love that. I love that layer of effort that someone has to go to, so you know there's at least a, a bare minimum in yep. that room. Right. You know, <laughs> right? Good point. But it is such a such a wonderful mix. There's uh, people from all all walks of life, from people that are just dreaming of one day being an entrepreneur, people that are just starting in it now, to people that already have million dollar businesses, to some a few of them have had billion dollar businesses. Wow, that's amazing. So, and tell people of, of, about your book. You mentioned um, you mentioned it a, a little while ago. I want to make sure they get this because I've devoured it. I loved it, and it certainly goes through even more of, of your past and your uh -huh. story in even more detail. So I, uh, I'm a big believer of the, the secret from the law of attraction. These are things and, and uh, think and grow rich. These are three of the, the uh, books that I have uh, really, really had a passion for. So uh, I, I run the Firewalking Institute of Research and Education, which uh, is we go out and we do firewalks for uh, companies around the world, a very powerful, life-changing event for many people. So yeah. uh, as part of that, I get a lot of different phone calls and a lady called up one time and said, uh, you know, you know, do you know about the secret? And I said, yeah, I love the secret. Well, you know, it really doesn't have any facts to it and, and mm. it really needs some science behind it and some facts to it. So she was talking about her book and what she was planning on, uh, on doing. And so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, that's really true. There needs to be direct lessons to help people take action. So my it's book's called tangible. Though. Yes. So my book's called Ignite the Secret. It's 19 lessons in business and life. It does have a it does have a business uh, slant to it. It tells you different firewalking stories, but it really takes all the different experiences that I've had in life and makes points or lessons that I learned in in uh, in business. So, for example, I I I like doing a lot of lot of uh, adrenaline rush type things. So one of the things that I do is I go to uh, South Africa for firewalking for uh, for four or five years. And so while I was there, I would go out and I started going on game drives and loved that. And then I then I wanted to get more interaction with the wildlife. So I volunteered for a week at a lion farm and had some <laughs> incredible experiences. And I. No, we're not gonna glaze, we're not gonna gloss over <laughs> the lion farm. Number one, I would never gloss over a lion farm story, but also I know some of this story. Yeah, and I, I, you gotta get, you gotta share okay. some details here. So I'll, I'll tell you, I went uh, first of all. I didn't know what it was that I was going to, and I specifically <laughs> said, "Is this for caged?" animals and they said no and so I, I went and and they had about 80 animals it's a lion farm just like any other animal farm you would go to and uh, they had all the different lions in different pens so the the uh, the six-month-old ones were in one pen 
and I'd go in and play with them, and it was great. And then the year-and-a-half-old uh, lions, which are around 200 pounds, wow. are in the next pen. And then the adults are out, uh, which can be three or 400 pounds, are out in the, uh, are out in, out in the back. So <laughs> the, I'll, the one story I'll tell here is... Uh, I, uh, sometimes my blood sugar will go off and, you know, so I'm out with her all day long. And what we do at the, at the, at the lion farm is in order to feed these animals, she's developed a network with all the farms. So when something dies, we go and we collect it. So a cow dies, we go up with a trailer, we pull it on the trailer and then you throw it out for the, for the lions (laughs) to eat. There was a a big, uh, a big chicken processing uh, plant and uh, a lot of chickens die in that process and so she would go daily and get all the chickens and they and the uh, younger lions would eat the chickens oh wow so i went out all day collecting food and we didn't eat and we went into this uh, the the year and a half old cage we were going through it to go see some of the other animals and my blood sugar was off bad and these animals knew it (laughs) taken off the week so i'm in a cage with eight different lions big lions and they're kind of coming at me so the uh, owner is uh, fighting them off i'm fighting them off and then from from behind me i see that a lion is running at me so the lion's (laughs) jumping through the air i grab the lion's paws i'm holding him away you know keeping him from my uh, throat and the owner says throw him down and hit him and oh my goodness. I don't have a f- sense of fear. I'm not afraid, but I'm, you know, I'm just doing what I'm told at this point. And so I throw the lion down. I hit him across the face and I tell him he's a bad lion. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, that, that night I, we go out to dinner and I'm saying, were they just playing? And she said, if they wanted you dead, you would be dead. However, and I got this lesson up front. If you would have run, never, ever, ever run. Oh. You can't outrun them, and that <laughs> drives their instincts. If oh, you yeah. run, you're, game. you're dead. You're oh, food. Wow. She said if you would have run or if you would have fallen, they would have all attacked you, and there would have been nothing I could have done about it. So that was put a little <laughs> bit of reality into me. <laughs> so so I had told her my goal was to get in with all the uh, all the all the lions she had there and uh, you know there's some of them that are four or five hundred plus pounds and so I had pet a few of them through the fence and she said I could get in with them but she said she won't (laughs) so that's that's usually advice you kind of want (laughs) to I was planning on getting in with them and I had the confidence ready to do it but after getting jumped I decided "Eh, maybe not maybe not it's like, uh, got a good story. Um, I survived that. I actually left early. <laughs> that's amazing. Because that's one of those things, too. Like, you don't panic until later. Right. <laughs> you flip out later, like, thinking yep. about it. Yep. Wow. This uh, The place on this property I was staying was... Uh, plywood walls you know it's in south africa it's not a nice place at all just one little bed no tv no nothing and uh, there's no restroom up there so whenever i have to go to the restroom at night i would have to go down the stairs and go outside to to find a restroom and and these lions would jump over their 
pen enclosures. And so one of them came in and like got on bed with me when I left the door open. <laughs> there were several of them watching and you know, night is when they hunt. Yeah. Several of them were just watching me as I would walk to the bathroom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the, the first couple of times, I guess I had had a lot to drink during the day. And <laughs> the first couple of times that I needed to pee, I just did it in the, in coffee cups. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> but then I had to go out later and it was, uh, it was pretty interesting to walk out uh, with lions sitting there watching you with oh, their man. eyes glowing. But these were the six-month-old ones, but yeah. still. <laughs> well, see, and that's the thing, too. The, 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 the problem my wife has with me is that I don't hear that story and go, that's that's ridiculous. I would never do it. I hear that story like, oh, I need to go do that. <laughs> yep. So I take people on trips, and we're doing all of these activities again. So I'm doing one in, uh, one in April. The first time I did it was with my friend Jay Rogers, and it was $40,000 for two. Wow. <laughs> I've been back several times, and I take my employees on, on reward trips, and oh, then I take awesome. friends, too. So uh, I got it down to where I can do it for about two to $3,000 a person. Oh, wow. So, you know, four to four to 6000 for a for a couple, and mm -hmm. I think you ought to come with me in uh, April of next it's, year. It's a good thing my wife doesn't watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you ought to take her. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think that will happen. <laughs> I well, have plenty of Alaska stories that she doesn't approve of already. <laughs> there, there's uh, plenty of activities for those that don't want to do that too. So we'll be staying in a really nice, uh, really nice five-star hotels. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, there's massages or shopping that uh, <laughs> if you don't want to go walk with lions and and play with lions, that you can All do right. that. Perfect. I, I'm all right. Now I'm planning. This is good. Well, this is this has been just fantastic. I'm I'm excited to to see where the boardroom evolves and your next seven ventures <laughs> this year. Right. Exactly. Hopefully, I don't lose all my uh, profits from the one. <laughs> so this is great. How can people follow? What's the best way so to? My website is charleshorton.com, and that has uh, links to everything that I do. Uh, please buy uh, buy Ignite the Secret. Tells, do it. Tells all of my uh, all of my stories and uh, lessons in life. Excellent book, I think. And I'm I, I was surprised. Tammy Kling was the uh, ghostwriter for it. She did an awesome job. I'm not a, not a writer, but she sat in my seminars and interviewed me. Excellent, excellent book. Come out to the boardroom. This is all cheap stuff. It's not something that I make any money doing. I don't know if you've ever done your own book, but hundred thousand dollar investment, and you know I've I've gotten about ten thousand dollars back. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely not a profit setter. It's yeah. more of an expense business card yes. and then come out to the boardroom and uh, boardroomlessons.com and uh, and then uh, soon the boardroom edge where we'll have meetup groups all over town doing educational seminars networking come on out and join us I love it thanks so much Charles it was nice uh, nice being here as always I have one question for you yes sir where the heck are we okay <laughs> uh, yeah I know where we are surprisingly now, I mean, wow, what, what an incredible story. Certainly, uh, line story is fantastic, but what Charles is doing with, um, with his companies and has, so has been doing for years, but also with his new ventures with how he's expanding the boardroom. And I think he's going to start touching so many people's lives now in business, um, even way more than he already has. It's going to be going to be incredible. So he and his team are putting together that whole venture to really teach entrepreneurs 
I'm, I'm so excited to, to see where, where they all take that. If you like episodes like this, make sure you subscribe. If you like episodes like this, make sure you subscribe here on YouTube. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you subscribe there as well. Leave us a review if you give it a chance. It uh, helps us get found in the whole iTunes world there. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you on the next one. It's Saturday night. It was Saturday night, and I'm feeling kind of silly. Winter coat on, because the air was chilly. But I'm going to make my way out to the record spot. Got to find some new breaks for the beats to rock. I got to come with the flavor like some lifesavers. Or now and later, got the beat maker. If I'm a player, it's like a tape deck. And if you miss the gig, then take a rain check. Stacks of wax piled high to the ceiling Need a U-Haul truck if I would think about stealing But it's not my steed so I commence with the digging No kidding, something that'll keep the beats hitting while I'm getting So much to choose from bro